and welcome to the Circuit Connection Podcast, a podcast production of thecircuitonline.org. I'm your host, Dominic Mejia. With me today is Jameson Rudd. Jameson, can you introduce yourself and tell folks a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I am Jameson Rudd. I'm finishing up my MDiv at Boston University School of Theology and just this week starting a new job in uh, Wilmington, Massachusetts as the Director of Christian Ed at the Methodist Church there. Yeah, and, and for folks who who don't know, what what is what is an MDiv? Uh, Master of Divinity. So it's typically a three year program. It's kind of the vanilla want to be a preacher uh, degree, <laughs> but there's certainly many more applications for it beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> as a recent recipient of an MDiv myself, I agree with the description as vanilla. Um, well, awesome. Well, Jameson, what are you going to be talking to us about today? I am talking about ska music. Okay, what, what, it, what is ska music? What are the defining characteristics of ska music? Well, in, in preparation for this, I did go back and watch a little ska documentary, and that was one of the jokes on it. And the, pretty much all the bands that they interviewed said, in a pinch, they describe it as fast reggae. Uh, okay. So that uh, kind of puts you in a mindset of the sound, I guess. It has a long history um, Going back to, I think they said 1950s Jamaica, um, when you got some R&B fused with uh, Jamaican rhythms and everything. And from there, it's kind of, they talk about waves on ska. So we're in third wave ska now, or at least in the 90s when it was last hugely popular for maybe two years uh, and hugely <laughs> being relative. Um, but now it's taken on a lot of kind of, punk music fused with reggae. There's a lot of horns and a distinctive kind of offbeat, upbeat guitar rhythm to it that is, I mean, bands like the people that don't know they know ska, No Doubt is maybe one. The Mighty Mighty Boston's are definitely ska in recent memory. Uh, Real Big Fish, some of those guys. <laughs> yeah, and how, how did you discover ska or why are you talking about ska today? <laughs> Well, I I feel like I come by, I'm not a old head kind of ska history guy, but I come by my love for ska, I think, pretty organically. I have an older brother who in sixth grade, seventh grade, all of my music tastes probably came from him. Um, and he got me hooked on my personal favorite, Five Iron Frenzy. Uh, also growing up in a <clears throat> in a Christian household, they're a kind of fringe Christian ska band. Um, but also at that time, it's I think of it as kind of the, and I'll get into it more later, the ultimate genre for kind of the, the underdog. Um, and so I still remember ska is very goofy, kind of campy, if that word can be applied to music. And I remember being in like seventh, eighth grade, young enough to not catch the camp and just to think it was still legitimately cool. And so I was in band, played trombone, and I remember showing up to like marching band practice and seeing my friends and being like, dude, I was watching this Boss Tones video last night and the trombone player was doing this move where he was like headbanging and playing at the same time. I'm going to learn how to do it. I'm going to be the coolest trombone player in school. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Eventually you realize that some of it is kind of tongue in cheek, some of it's camp, some of it's just silliness, but uh, I still think back fondly on those the ska days. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, in high school, I was a, I was a cellist. And I remember seeing, um, 
uh, I think was skill. It had like a, a cellist who would play with them and trying to trying to imitate this thing where you like hook hook the the tuning pegs on the back of your neck so that you can play while standing up. And realizing now that that was really really corny, but at the time as a as a high school student, it was super super cool. Um, you mentioned Five Iron Frenzy. Uh, what what sets them apart from other ska bands, or what makes them one of your favorites? Yeah, I uh, like I said. Growing up in a Christian household, they were the ones that you could find at the Christian bookstore. Them and the OC OC Supertones, who I I also liked, but not quite as much. But Five Iron Frenzy, I think, even to this day, there is early on they were the right combination of cool rock music with these kind of nerdy horns that I really liked as a trombone player. Also, pretty silly, like just ska in general. But they have all these. They have songs about give me back my sandwich they have a uh, oh man the what is it one song uh about making mashed potatoes in the yard or something like some of it is just outlandishly ridiculous and then they sneak in these kind of uh oh but they're actually saying something with this silly song it's actually about this serious topic and that's true of a lot of uh ska music um but yeah, just the perfect combination for me of goofy and still a good band. They make good music. Uh, and I didn't get in trouble if it was in the CD player when my mom was in the car, <laughs> most importantly. Yeah, yeah. You you, you mentioned the, this, um, you know, sneaking, sneaking in these serious topics under the, the guise of, of silliness. And I, I think that that's something that happens across genres. I'm, I'm reminded of Outcast Hey Ya, which is like... Uh, such a chipper upbeat song when you just listen to it but when you when you dig into the lyrics like it's this <laughs> this uh, narrative of like unrequited or love that has left and things like that um that's an interesting uh interesting observation um you know be- before we started recording you were talking a little bit about some of the things that you were surprised five iron frenzy was was able to say and and their music can you can you speak to that a little bit yeah i still listening back through because even i'm a Let's see. Heyday for Ska was probably mid to late 90s. I was born in 1990, and I'm talking about like being in seventh grade in 2002 or whatever, if my math is right. Uh, And so even me coming to like Five Iron Frenzy, a lot of it has been after the fact exploration into older stuff. Um, And so even I still will find older songs, and there are some of them and even ones that I knew when I was young that I listened back to and think, man, I had no clue that this song was talking about the treatment of indigenous people in America or that it was a commentary on capitalism and nationalism. Or uh, this one is, oh man, just all sorts of police brutality in 1998 was one of the songs. I guess uh, they talk about, uh, it was in response to after the... Um, Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl. Um, There was a celebration and police showed up in riot gear and escalated. And that one has understandably come back to significance in recent weeks and months and uh, is now one of their top three, I think, played songs on uh, Spotify. Uh. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And and I think this is a, a good transition kind of into maybe the, the meat of our, of our conversation, um, is, you know, the connection between ska and faith. Um, 
what, what does ska or particularly the music of Five Iron Frenzy help? How does it help you understand some aspect of your faith or what, how does it challenge you maybe as another, another way to approach this? Yeah, I think there's a number of ways that you can find kind of parallels, almost even critiques on some elements of church. Um, ska, if you look at it broadly, and they have, historically, it was all about um, racial equality, was one of the kind of core tenets of ska going back to Jamaica by way of the UK and then to the States. And that element is kind of coming in different forms and amounts at different periods in the late 90s there was a uh, ska against racism tour and they have again in just the last few weeks announced they're kind of rebooting it as a compilation album of ska against racism but then as i mentioned earlier i, I see in ska just kind of the uh the ultimate underdog genre that it is the music for like the band nerds the and five iron frenzy especially hams it up and has like kind of ballads entirely geared toward like i'm a math nerd and i'm gonna beat you up or whatever like i'm gonna get all the girls eventually because i'm smart and i'm a math nerd and i'm whatever (laughs) but uh then the kind of within that is a sort of disregard for popular opinion that to be a ska band is sort of to throw hazard to the wind, throw caution to the wind, I guess is the phrase. Um, there's a, a style of dance traditionally with ska music that is, it's called skankin', and it is this weird kind of raw, like almost running man, but flailing arms and stuff. And it's one of those that if you do it and don't look awkward and like you've never danced in your life, you're probably doing it wrong. And I think as far as the church goes, Within that, there's also a uh, this just kind of sense of like radical welcome that if you show up at a ska concert, you're one of the you're a ska person. It doesn't matter if you're dressed in whatever, or if you're uh, if you're there because you're a old head that loves to do the skank and dance, or if you're just a new guy that saw you like trombone and showed up. Uh, you're welcome at the ska concert. Is kind of a mentality that is pervasive throughout, and so. I think the church could learn a lot about, uh, and I don't want to sound too critical, but, um, you know, the, the radical welcome ska music is inherently joyful, even as they talk about, like I was mentioning police brutality, um, all of these things. There's so much, I'm sorry. I, my main struggle is to just not gush too much and to keep it streamlined. (laughs) Feel free to feel free to gush. Um, yeah, and I, I from the from the other end of, of things too, you've you've spoken of uh, ska as kind of embodying this radical welcome or um, being music for folks who who might not be cool or popular, um, at least in traditional senses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but are are there critiques of ska that you that you um, might have that either come from your 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 location as a person of faith or just generally in looking at the world and looking at ska? Yeah, so I was thinking on this. I was running earlier today, and that's kind of my time to process. Um, Because so much of what I'd been thinking seemed in my mind to be kind of Ska's critique on the church almost. I'm very interested and do a lot of research working on kind of the the juxtaposition of professed faith and lived faith and how those two things don't necessarily always line up. The way that we live 
doesn't always reflect what we claim to believe. And uh, so I think the real juxtaposition here is uh, the church is, or really pretty much any organized religion in some way, is a professed faith. We have a creed. Um, in ska music, there is no, I believe in the one ska almighty or anything like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it in many ways, kind of what I was pointing out, I feel like they, the lived element of it does so more effectively and more actively than many people's lived faith in regard to the professed faith that they have. Um, so I don't want to come across as simply saying the church should be ska music. That's not true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think there is something there that uh, in this juxtaposition. And so ska, I talk about it coming in waves. There is a strength to the professed uh, creedal element of faith in that we can go to a Methodist church, whatever church, recite a creed that has been true for thousands of years, that Christians have said for thousands of years, and will be said in countless denominations any given Sunday morning, all holding that to be true in the same form that it was created thousands of years ago. Can the same be said for a sort of genre that has been to different extents adopted for making money and across cultural lines and everything? Sometimes the, uh, the elements can get lost, the racial reconciliation. Like I said, that was early on, that was a big deal in it, um, in ska music. And it has kind of it's still present from time to time and like five iron frenzy among some other bands still maintain the sort of political social justice element, but it's not pervasive as it used to be. Um, so I think there is, I'm just always considering that line between the professed and the lived uh, as far as faith elements go. Yeah. And, and I think that's one, one of my commitments or reasons for starting this podcast is the belief that, uh, popular culture can be in dialogue with faith in that it can help highlight the ways we are not living into our professed faith um, and, and call us to be better by seeing an example that takes place perhaps where we don't expect grace or love or inclusivity to to emerge. We can look at that and be like, oh, we should be doing that. So I think it's, I, I, I don't think you're being overly critical. <laughs> I think you're in, inviting us to take seriously um, with what the world is saying to the church. You know, when we when we when we talk about music, um, particularly music that is uh, gen generates wealth or popularity or fame, we always have to talk about uh, cultural appropriation. And particularly if ska was emerged from music styles that came out of Jamaica, um, I'm wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. Like, I'm not sure about like the demographic makeup of the ska community or or how those those issues are are navigated in that context. I think. If you were to ask anyone, most people in an American context would say ska is a white person's genre. Like so much of it is like the bands that were formed were kind of Midwest, like I was saying, high school kids that learned trombone in high school band and then wanted to be in a rock band. So they said, well, I only know this instrument that is present in a ska band. So I guess we'll play ska. Um, it has. And. I think that is has been to the detriment of kind of the message of ska, if you can assign it one true message. Uh, but as far as the cultural, I think it's interesting because it was established 
Jamaica at the time was a colony of England, I guess. Um, and so there was this sort of intentional black and white fusion in it on both sides, which I think is, it's almost in the way that Christianity is kind of evangelistic. You don't consider it cultural appropriation when uh, a different culture adapts and maintains elements of Christianity because the essence of Christianity is to spread this good news. And I think there is some of that present, at least historically, in ska music, saying we are all about unity and sort of this, sort of the the reggae one love, ska being the actually predecessor to reggae. Um, a lot of that is there that, hey, if you're just, there is no culture, there's just ska kind of element that, uh, and all of that is not to deny that there are certainly people that were in ska bands in the 70s that look at ska music in the 90s and say, oh, they're doing it wrong. They've lost the message. They've lost this. They, What is this punk guitar? They're, it's too heavy. The guitars are too heavy. That's not real ska. There's still gatekeeper elements to it, I think. But I think it is, in its mentality, is a very refreshing approach to kind of transcending culture in certain ways. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a, it's an important reminder with with any of these um, Christianity or or ska or any kind of um, cultural item or or community that claims to be all about all about unity. With in each particular case, we have to ask who is being asked to give up what for the sake of of unity. Is it the people who have power and privilege being asked to be in solidarity? with others or people who are on the margins being asked to give up some aspect of their identity in order to be accepted. Um, and, and you see, you see that in, in churches, you see, you know, in, in conversations around, uh, in conversations around race, you know, saying Jesus wants peace. Why are people protesting and asking people to give up their, their, their striving for, for justice. Um, and I think that kind of question can be applied in any kind of, uh, space that asks for unity or for for oneness. Well, uh, James, we, we might have talked about this question a little bit in our conversation, but at the intersection of ska and faith, uh, what do you see us being called to do, be, or change? The things that stick out to me as within ska that make it resonate with me as a professed Christian um, and are kind of what I've harped on, the uh, the, I almost think of it as subversive joy, that even as they're singing about police brutality, Scott is inherently a cheerful music. You're dancing along, looking awkward, looking silly. And I think there is something in that that Christians can learn to just be joyful. It doesn't mean that we are pretending everything's great, but as Christians, I think there is a, a call to be joyful. And then I think the the radical welcome as Christians and as people of faith uh, we should be the place that people look and say, wow, they, uh, if I go there, I am welcome. If I go there, then I'm, I don't have to know all the church history, just like I don't have to know about the ska bands in the 1970s. I can go there and be one of the people, one of them and be welcome. Well, Jameson, I know you, I know you did, uh, you watched a few documentaries and read some lyrics and listened to some music. Is there anything that you wanted to share about ska music that I didn't quite ask the right question to get at? 
Oh man, I one of the documentaries talked about a. Uh, this is not necessarily sharing, but for people that are new to ska, it it transcends many different styles of the way it's put forth. Some of it purely goofy. The Aquabats ultimately were kind of a children's show because they just wanted to keep making music and that was their kind of aesthetic fit children's music better than others, I think. Um, But a lot of the, someone in one of the documentaries I watched talking about ska said like there are three responses where people say ska, what's that? And then other people say, ska isn't that that just ridiculous silly nonsense and then the third and i'm butchering this uh exactly what she said but it was the third were the ones that said oh ska yeah i love that and so those that's when you know you found your people (laughs) so if you do go out uh seeking ska and you are not seventh grade me who is just too young and dumb to see the campiness of many elements of ska i bear with it uh give it Take it with a grain of salt and don't, but don't just listen and think, I I don't know, give it a shot. Listen to some lyrics, let yourself be kind of a kid, lose the, uh, the ego that come, maybe look up a video on how to dance, do some skanking lessons or something. I've done it in the tea shop I worked at, taught my coworkers to skank for a while. And we would, it was a running joke. There is a certain joy to it. And I think there's a lot to be gained from it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Give it a shot is the moral of the story that I'm getting at. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of, um, you know, G- Jesus saying, surely you must become like one of these little children if you're to enter the kingdom of heaven. Exactly. Uh, uh, a, l- a little bit of humility goes a long way. Um, Jameson, will you predict the future for us? Uh, will Ska make a comeback? Oh, man. Uh, so they're in like, they talk about third wave. And I was just saying, there is a new Ska band that I've been listening to, uh, Kill Lincoln. If you want to look them up for a group of young people uh, making ska music today that seems like legitimate music. It doesn't, it's not the, uh, that, I almost regret saying that, (laughs) but it is, it's a rock band with horns, but there is some of the classic kind of upbeat guitar riffs in there. It is very much in the vein of ska. I don't know that a comeback for ska is difficult because... It is, again, inherently kind of the underdog genre. And so I don't know that a comeback in the way that it was hugely popular in the 90s is what we should hope for. I think it is kind of meant to be the underground. I think it will be around and there will be ska bands that continue. But I don't, comeback is kind of a a strange way to think of ska music. It is also worth noting, kind of tying back to the uh, the cultural element, I was unaware, um, but I guess ska is still to this day, or ska adjacent music is hugely popular in places like Mexico and Japan, where like in Mexico it fit very much with kind of the mariachi rhythms and horns and everything. Uh, and so it's an interesting way to get outside of our kind of American context, but there is a life of ska that exists beyond America. I'll have to explore that more. That's new knowledge to me. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jameson, so much for being the guest on the podcast and for teaching me more about ska than I had ever known uh, prior. Um, Do you have any projects you're working on or social medias that you would like to plug? Uh, Where can people find you? 
Yeah, I, uh, I'm not too active on social media, and right now a lot of my projects are specifically tied to finishing up my final year of grad school. But I do have a few uh, notes running in my computer right now of just kind of musings that are slowly taking form into different papers, books, who knows? Be on the lookout in the future. We'll see if something comes of it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, listeners, if you see Jameson Rudd uh, as the author on a book, you'll know it's the Ska Guy. <laughs> yep. um, Jameson, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's yeah, been great, thanks for having me. Great having you. Um, yeah. Y'all have a great week. I know. This project has been a production of thecircuitonline.org, an online ministry campus. Intro and outro music is royalty-free music created by Loyalty Freak Music. Thanks for listening.